You are listening to Entirely the Right Sort of Podcast. If you're listening to this, please be warned that there is a little explicit language in this episode. And also, of course, spoilers for Patrick Rothfuss's The Kingkiller Chronicle, including The Name of the Wind and The Wise Man's Fear. So, you've been warned, and here we go. Welcome jackasses and non-jackasses alike to entirely the right sort of podcast, a podcast about Patrick Rothfuss's The King Color Chronicle and the characters within. I'm your host. My name is RJ, which stands for really juicy, as in the type of conversation we're about to have today on this podcast. I have three wonderful friends, definitely all... um, probably alpha rank in the university, whatever they're studying, whether it be the dark arts or the darker podcasting arts. My three good friends from up north of me from Page of the Wind. Hello, my friends, please introduce yourselves. Well, thank you, RJ. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. And we wow. are Paige. <laughs> of- <laughs> Uh, Goodbye. Gentle readers, if you yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank yeah. you for thank you for having us. We loved it last time, and we're we're thrilled to be back. Yes, um, the the trio were on my podcast uh, last season. Listeners, if you didn't catch up with that one, that was a character analysis of Davy or Devi, depending on how you say it. And today they're here with me. To discuss Ambrose, and and I'm going to out you, Nick, because when I emailed the Page of the Wind Gmail account, and I was like, do you guys want to come on the podcast? Who do you want to talk about? Nick, I'm pretty sure, was just like, Ambrose. We 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 uh, we discussed it, all three of us, okay. but I think we were okay. all like, he was if he wasn't all of our first choices, he was among our first choice, because who's more fun to talk about than a villain, than an absolute yeah. bastard? Yeah, I was going to ask why that was the unanimous choice. I mean, I think loving the villainy is definitely a big one. For me, it's because I've been kind of nursing a particular read of Ambrose on the reread that we're currently doing. Mm. And I really am itching to talk about it. And we haven't really had that forum on our podcast because of the the format. So um, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm, I'm, puppet mastering here a little bit but I, I have a lot to say about ambrose and a lot of insights that i've been gathering on him and i'm really looking forward that to will be really juicy i can't like i also kind of miss that we can't talk about ambrose as much on our podcast because of the format you, like it really is true that we don't spend a lot of time with well him. i mean we don't spend a lot of time with him right now because we're not at the university and we probably won't be for another 300 episodes or so because we do <laughs> one page of the book at a time and we're just in a section of the wise man's sphere that he does not appear in but when he yeah. has appeared, we talk about him an awful lot. I, suppose. Uh, I personally believe that to interpret the work of uh, an author is a sin against God. Uh, so I'm just here to vibe. Okay. We do appreciate you being here to vibe. So be- before we get into all the juice, let's let's turn the juicer off. I'm, you know what? We're not going to keep going with that metaphor. Um, oh, no. I insist <laughs> that we keep going with the juice. Okay. Metaphor. All right. Well. Before we squeeze every last drop of conversation we can get out of the topic of Ambrose Jagus, let's get to seven things, which is really the heart of the episode. You might call it the pulp 
of the episode. And this episode <laughs> is extra pulpy. So here's seven things we know about Ambrose Jackass. Number one, and please email me or tweet me if I'm wrong, but I believe that as of today, as we stand with only the, the two main books out of the three, Ambrose is 12th in line for the throne of Ventus. Now, I, I don't, I'm, I don't I hate to ask you to like pull receipts on this, but how did you crunch those numbers? I, so it was. Because I have tried, I have tried to kind of to visualize where he sits and I've had a really hard time doing it. So I'm really impressed that you've got some digits. Well, on someone on the wiki did it. And I believe someone on the King Killer wiki wrote it up. Um, I'm pretty sure that's accurate. I I know I've done it in the past, but I don't remember what my final number was. But someone has someone in the ether has has done that work. That wasn't me, but thank you. Okay, well if it's on the wiki, it's good enough. Yeah, for it me. is on the wiki. All right, number two. Who who's who's up? Oh, yes. was it? Oh, yeah, it well was Victor and uh, Jeremy. Let's let's get my chin sticky with Jackie's juice as we talk about thing number two. <laughs> Uh, he works as a scriv in the archives, which I always thought seemed like a bit of a, a role that was kind of beneath him and something that we'll talk about a bit later today is why is he working? Yeah. And I've got things. Thing number three is uh, studies alchemy and we can assume sympathy. Indeed. Uh, the f- he, he definitely does sympathy because he's doing the counter sympathy. He breaks quote string with sympathy. Yeah, I feel like it'd be pretty it. hard to be Ambrose without the sympathy. Yeah. The fourth thing, even though he's not very sympathetic. (laughs) (laughs) The fourth thing is that he writes poetry, which Quoth thinks is terrible. And Ambrose also plays the liar. That seems like two things, not one thing, but. You know what? He's he's a dark mirror of Quoth. He's he's a bad musician. You're on thin ice, Jeremy. That's where I live. Wait, am I number five? Yeah. You are number five. Yep. So, Simon, I believe brought up that there's this rumor about this girl named Tabitha that Ambrose was engaged to. And I think I, I don't think I know that I've seen people say that this is actually Ari, but I don't really, I don't know about that one. Definitely a juicy theory. Mm -hmm. Number six is that he had a relationship with Denna that lasted about three dates from what we can tell. And Which is also la- about as long as I think it would take a reasonable person to grok the kind of guy Ambrose yes. is and GTFO. And the last and juiciest of things, <laughs> he has a sister who is subject of some raunchy gossip. Mm. Some juicy gossip, even. It may be. <laughs> sister. <laughs> so... There are, so Ambrose is, I mean, would you guys say he's the main, main antagonist or would you save that for more of like a cinder? I, yeah, it's kind of an interesting distinction because like the, the Chandrian are the antagonists of the story in that they're like the force that Quoth is ostensibly kind of wrestling with and trying to, to grapple with and understand. But on a more concrete level, the person who is constantly like putting his dick in Quoth soup on a day-to-day mm. basis is Ambrose. His juice. Come on, Jeremy. He's putting his dick in soup. <laughs> <laughs> well, aren't we all? Um, but like, mm. you know, you know what I mean? Like, Ambrose is not like in the grand scheme of Quoth's life, he's not like 
you know, he didn't kill Quoth's parents, but yeah. he's probably done more to earn Quoth's like particular enmity than than the Chandrian have. You know, like Quoth is, you know, heroically opposed to the Chandrian, but he's personally opposed to Ambrose. Mm. I reject the premise that there is an antagonist of this book. Uh, I think one of the things that jumps out to people on first read is that it is not structured like a conventional novel. It certainly has a protagonist, but it's really a lot of different vignettes. And each vignette arguably has an antagonist, whether that antagonist is a force or a character. Sometimes I think it's Quoth himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's Quoth's own predilections himself. I mean, he spends large areas of the novel alone kind of contending with his own issues and that. Uh, those are the the antagonists of that situation. There's there's swaths of the book where Ambrose takes the role of an antagonist, but I wouldn't peg him as the central antagonist in the same way that I wouldn't peg the even I wouldn't even peg the Chandrian as the antagonist. Like I I wouldn't be surprised if the true antagonist, if there is a single antagonist, um, has yet to reveal himself. Mm. I would peg Ambrose as Quoth's nemesis in that he is kind of a dark mirror of Quoth and he is certainly uh, bent on destroying him. I think thematically he's a nemesis as well as textually, but uh, may, you know, I, I might, I might accept an argument that he's like a, a deuteragonist if that's the right turn of mm-hmm. phrase, Jeremy, you can, you well, can we, correct me on that. Like, I think there's, there's a lot of forces flowing around, but I wouldn't say he's the I main I mean, one. there's no rule that says a book has to have, a single main antagonist, but it must have at least one. Uh, let, and we we shouldn't confuse. I'm sure if we, you know, if you might remember from your grade school English class, a story can't be a story if it doesn't have conflict. And that's where we get things like, mm-hmm. you know, person versus person, person versus nature, person versus the self. Those are forms of conflict, and conflict necessitates at least one kind of antagonist. But uh, I put it to you that. Uh, no, no, I, I strongly don't agree, Jeremy. Conflict, yes, a story needs conflict, but I, a, stru- a story does not need an antagonist. And I have one in my hand right now that is a wonderful book that has no antagonist. It's full of conflict, but there's no antagonist. And I'm speaking, of course, about The Witness for the Dead by Catherine Addison, uh, a novel that is rife with conflict, but uh, ultimately has no uh, no characters who are bent on being negative forces. I don't think at all you need a, a, an antagonist. I just think you need. Well, I, uh, you're wrong. <laughs> I, I guarantee you that I read that book. I I submit to you, Jeremy, that it is you. I guarantee who are you wrong. that if I read that suck. book, I would be like, oh, here's this person is an antagonist, and so is this person, and so is that person. My let the me, point that I'm arriving at. This in here. <laughs> <laughs> and I I appreciate it, and I love you guys so much. But we we got off the track. Speaking of conflict. Ambrose sure brings a lot, huh? <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, that's a that's a the, a good point that you don't necessarily need an antagonist, um, or they don't mean to be an antagonist. Spoilers for Disney's Encanto, but <laughs> that movie there wasn't necessarily an there was an antagonist, but it wasn't, you know, the, the traditional anyway, now, now I'm off the track. So what, so their beef, I was thinking about that today, Ambrose and Quoth, when did, when did their rivalry really kick off? Uh, 
I would say instantly. Like yeah. the first time they meet each other, by the end of that conversation, they hate each other. And that's in the archives, right? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 yes. Quoth Quoth arrives at the university and he beelines for the archives because that's where the information he wants is. Ambrose is working the desk. They have a conversation, and Ambrose messing with him tricks him into buying a candle, um, oh. which he is caught inside the archives with, and that triggers his ban. So that's their very first what, interaction. Uh, hold, I what, would, oh. hold on. May, I might be confused here, uh, but doesn't Ambrose do that to Quoth because Quoth sees Ambrose like uh, kind of grossly flirting with someone, and it it annoys him. Yeah, with Fella. I think, Nick, that those might be two separate incidents. They have the first kind of spat, and then... I think there's a second time where Ambrose tries to be nice to Quoth, like acts like he's being nice. I I think it might is be that too. Second, I'm gonna. You might be right. It might be right, but it, the, that is sort of the the uh, the escalation, the constant escalation of each of them kind of sparring at each other and doing something that I would posit. I'm getting ahead of myself, but my my thesis uh, for today's argument is that each of them. Uh, needles the other in a way that they perceive as relatively harmless initially, but the other person perceives as incredibly harmful. Hmm. And that's why their rivalry expands in the way it does. Hmm. So maybe those are two separate instances, but they are related to one another because by the end of them, they have each been, they've each perceived the other as wronging them more deeply than they themselves probably think they deserve. Well, and I, sorry, Jeremy, go ahead. No, no, after you. Okay, I'm going to say what I'm going to say first. I don't think that by the end, the reactions are proportional. But saying that stems on whether or not you think Ambrose sent those men to kill Quoth in book one. Remember in Emre. I think we assume Ambrose might have done it, but I think it's possible that that's kind of, you know, we're meant to think that's Ambrose and it's not. Because, yeah, I think Quoth assumes it, and we take Quoth's opinion as read. But personally, I don't think Ambrose did that. I also don't think he did the ship. Yeah. Um, actually, potentially, potentially the ship. But I think that Ambrose's um, escalations are always kind of proportional. Like, I, I don't think he would go from trying to kill him to uh, teasing him and accidentally smashing his loot. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that Quoth assumes that anything that's harmful that befalls him kind of without reason is something that comes from Ambrose. Mm -hmm. And like, he's not wrong in assuming that because Ambrose does like poison him and stuff like that. Like, I think we, it's confirmed that he's that he he did the plumb bob. But I also think that this is a way of obfuscating another force that is after Quoth, because I do think that um, the hiring the men and giving them a sympathetic compass to find Quoth is sort of outside of what Ambrose, even Ambrose would think of as, uh, as like reasonable, but Quoth, Quoth has no better solution than it must've been Ambrose who did right. it. And I mean, we, the readers also have no better solution. So we have no reason to say, to think otherwise and to take his opinion as anything but gospel. But I think, that and, and this stems from I think from from the work I've been doing. I've been working really hard doing this, trying to see the story through Ambrose's mm -hmm. eyes. Um, and I 
I do think that uh, Ambrose did not try to kill Kvothe in book one. I don't. I also don't think he sank the ship, although that's more likely to me. Um, so to answer the question, which I forgot what it was. <laughs> oh, so did, so did I. <laughs> so did I. I think it was more amusing than a question. I mean... It was amusing. I was amused. What do you I, think? I, I, Come on, that was a good joke. That was that was funny. Come on. It was good. Give me it was it was Give me good. a little of that juice. Uh, yeah. It was pulpy. What were you gonna say, Jeremy? I was gonna ask Rodana if she thinks that Ambrose uh, planned to have Quoth killed. I am gonna sit on the fence. Of course you are. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna pull the classic Rodana and sit on the fence. I think it's very possible. But actually, you know what's happening is I don't I like I want there to be more to Ambrose's character, and I also want there to be things we don't know in the book. So I want it for for it to to not be Ambrose, but it seems very plausible that it would be. So that's kind of where I'm at. I I think if I can jump in, sorry, were you finished, Jordan? Yeah, I'm all done. I think that for Ambrose to sink that ship. I mean, news would have ha- news would have basically had to happen overnight for Ambrose. Well, I guess Ambrose could have found out, hired someone, you know, overnight. That just seems like a quick turnaround. But I also, you know, who else would have done it knowing he was going to be on his way to Ventus? I mean, that was basically just between him and Threb. If I may, that, that's why I think there's another force at yeah. work. Sorry, Jeremy. Just let me, let me, okay, fine. Well, my Go. point is that just because, so first of all, I absolutely think Ambrose did have to try to have Quoth killed and I think he would do it again. But I don't think that Ambrose tried to arrange for an entire ship to sink. But one doesn't follow from the other. Quoth sees a guy looking kind of shady who gets on the ship with him. I think Ambrose hired that guy. Do I think that guy hired was hired to like, sabotage the ship somehow no the shipwreck is just a thing that happened that guy is there on the ship to spy on quoth maybe kill him but he's not there to sink the ship the ship sinks in a storm come on people Hmm. yeah it might have been it might have been scuttled in the storm so i i am i think that there's a separate force after quoth and i think that the shipwreck is an escalation from the thugs in the alley Hmm. i think that there is a force after Quoth and has been for a long time that is using lethal force on him rather than the kind of social force that Ambrose is trying to bear on him. And I think that when the alley thing fails, they bide their time until the shipwreck. And I I mean, a storm is a good cover to scuttle a ship. Like ships are generally storm worthy um, unless the, as I understand it, you know, what do I know? Also it's a book and sometimes the author needs things to happen in a book. So things happen. I'm, aware of that too yeah so speaking kind of uh around ventus i'm just kind of curious if ambrose is going to end up being the king that quoth kills or end up being the poet king i feel like that is something i spent several years on the reddit every day just like looking up every theory i could find so a lot of what I bring up on this podcast, I probably saw once five years ago, but I did remember it. Um, 
there just were seemed to be an, a, a decent number of threads talking about yes, Quoth kills Ambrose, that's who he kills in Imray, or Ambrose is, is Vashet's poet king, which which I don't know about. But or, you know, is he the penitent king? But I, as Nick wrote in the notes, there are a couple people who could fit several of those roles, right? Yeah, I, I have it pegged as like a four-way tie between Ambrose, the mayor, Simon, and the fourth figure is um, is a bit more nebulous. I think it might be a Lackless or possibly uh, possibly Brayden, although it being Brayden being the killed king would make sense. Uh, this feeds into a theory I have, uh, and I am now fully convinced of that um, Brayden is Ambrose's father um, playing a beautiful game, manipulating his way to the kingship. Uh, if Quoth needs to kill a king, um, it, then Brayden would be a good candidate because it would be a, uh, a difficult thing for him to do. It would be a delicious tragedy for him to have to kill someone who he thinks of as a friend. And he, we realize, has been manipulating him. And even more beautiful and delicious if uh, it then ascends Ambrose to the throne. I know there's some problem with that because the the killed king is supposed to be the poet, right? Yeah, because the killed king is supposed to be a poet, I lean more towards it either being Ambrose or, like, maybe Simon because that's poetic. Is the killed <laughs> king a poet? Well, the I think it uh, the the theory for that stems from uh, the sword being uh -huh, called the uh -huh, poet killer. Uh -huh. Right. Okay. So you're right. Of course. So either they have that wrong, or the sword so, killed a poet who's probably the king. Okay. Yeah, or it could be conflating several stories. I I don't think we have enough information to make a call. I do think that it's very clever of Rothfuss to have multiple uh, avenues suspects. Yeah, because if there was like one guy who was kind of in the peerage and was a poet, uh, it would be pretty obvious who the king needs to be. But we have multiple people who it could theoretically be. I really want it to be Simon. I'm I'm dying for it to be Simon. I think that's the biggest reach uh, because Simon, uh, I believe, is in a different. You like things period. that are sad. I do. I love I love delicious tragedies. I think uh, that Simon uh, is in a different peerage, but we do have the the we do have the idea seated that the period is so complicated that you can like hold titles but actually hold completely different titles um and i have a theory that uh the reason that simon is so tender around the um who's the elizabeth bathory guy who who cuts up the people oh uh, the um, duke of gebea gebea the, the, um, yes yes I, my theory is that the reason Simon is so tender about the Duke of Gibeah is not because he grew up you know, on Gibeah's lands, but because he is related to the Duke of Gibeah, which would put him higher in the peerage than he has admitted hmm. to. Him. And we, but we don't know anything about really about the Aturan um, royals at all. We just, I think, we hear once that there's a king, and that's it. Because Sims yeah, Aturan, there's a king. Yeah, is that the Tin King? Yeah, um, uh, that I believe Silvoy is. Yeah, and Silvoy calls him that because the the king in Atur has no real political power. He's just kind of like a a figurehead or a puppet. It's a weak monarchy, whereas the monarchy in Ventus is pretty strong. I will say that I think it's a leap for Sim, or I'm sorry, for Ambrose or for Sim to be the killed king. I found um, 
the line of succession on what's it called? The Wikipedia. And yeah, it says Ambrose is 12. So in the line of succession to Ventus, Ambrose is 12, Alvaron is seven. So I for either of them to be king, like just based on the assumption that like you have to be king when everyone before you is killed or indisposed, it would take a lot for either of those guys to get there. And Alvaron would get there first. You know what I mean? Unless Ambrose pulls something it's out of true. a hat. It's true, but we know that there have been a few suspicious deaths that shot Ambrose up pretty quickly. We also have the well, that has him at precedent 12. of marriages. That has him at 12th, right. I, I I mean, this is, we're getting off topic, but uh, Quoth is arguably, if, if the mayor is what, seventh, you said? Yeah. And so Malewin if is, true, Quoth is. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Well, you're, I'm, what I'm building to is information is based on information that you are about to surprise to supply. So Mellowin is where? Mellowin, according to the wiki is 10th, which is interesting because I would think she moved up behind Alvaron at an eight. So, well, yeah. is who's number nine is number nine Quoth? Because what I'm getting yeah. at is that with Mellowin married to the mayor, Quoth is Mellowin's heir. Yeah. Um, so Quoth is only one or two steps ahead of Ambrose. Yeah. What if uh, Quoth ends up being the king and Quoth is the king he kills, putting Ambrose on the throne? Right. Quoth fakes his own death. Like Quoth has to kill. Yeah, Quoth has to kill himself or fake his own death, um, and and that puts that Ambrose would be there. Wild. again a lot of a, yeah a lot of tweaking a lot of like finagling has to be done for that to work yeah um, but you know weirder things have happened I I I think it's I think it's far fetched I'm sorry theory heads I think there's just so much evidence that it the king that's killed is Calanthus and maybe there's something about a poet. Two, a poet is killed and you know people confuse it there's just so much evidence to me that it's Roderick Calanthus and then Alvaron somehow becomes the penitent king I like there's just yeah, well, a lot of evidence for both of those that fits with us there's a theory that we've been nursing that the mayor is kind of a warmonger and mm -hmm. that the poisoning yeah. was an effort to not to kill him but to uh, to keep him kind of contained and that with Quoth uh, curing him, he is now kind of off the leash and that things are about to get much worse. Um, so if the mayor gets Roderick killed and assumes the kingship, Quoth will realize that his actions were not for the greater good and he will feel responsible for putting the mayor on the throne uh, and then have to do the killy killy. Hmm. Yeah. Which would also make him the penitent king. Quoth? Yeah, I know. I, I don't know. I just want Quoth nah, to be. His, a lot I, want, nah. I, I want a time loop. I want Quoth to be his nah, own nemesis. Yeah. I want you know Quoth to be Cinder from the future. Quoth is I want his it own all. Nemesis. I feel like you're just setting yourself up for disappointment with all this 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 crackpot. No, no. If I say I'll call, if I say lots and lots of crackpot theories, if any one of them is right, I get to say I was right. Yeah, but none of them are good. Uh, like none of the things that are actually going to happen are going to be as crazy as the crackpot theories you come up with. I feel like th this is going to turn into a a Cloverfield scenario where you got very mad because Cloverfield was not the movie that you had built up in your head that it was going to be, uh, which is not the movie's fault. That's your fault. <laughs> classic Cloverfield. <laughs> I mean, scenario. I. 
Yeah. Okay. Look, I have softened on Cloverfield, but uh, I, I don't how want it to be did crazy. It, take I just, you? <laughs> it took me. How long has it been since Cloverfield came out? It's like, like, it took me I, gotta, more, I, 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 I have this. softened. A, I got a tweet about this. <laughs> what I'm getting at is that, like, I, I don't need it to be crazy. I just want it to, to. I want all the evidence to have been there. I want to be surprised, but I want it to fit after the fact. I want it to be like a Sherlock Holmes mystery or like a locked room mystery. I want it all to be there and go, Ooh, I just wasn't quite clever enough to got it, to get it. But, uh, I could have got it if I had a little more time. Mm. Mm. That, that's all I want when it comes to a crackpot theory. Is that so much to ask? I mean, I, um, I just feel like you, it depends on the theory. You're adding a lot of extra steps to my process, which is to simply, let it wash over me. And then when I get to the end of the book, I go, oh, it was there all along. But I don't spend a lot of energy thinking about it in the lead up. I so think just, that, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just saying like, you know, you're doing a lot of work that I think maybe you, you don't have to. I realize that it's fun for you, but I'm just saying like, you don't have to. I think that Pat, I don't, well, I'm, I can't speak for Pat, but I feel like a lot of, the um, clues to people's identities in book three are obviously in books one and two. And they were like the first theories people came up with. And I feel like the fact that we've had so long to wait has made some people go entirely, you know, present company may be excluded. Oh, definitely not. Have gone entirely <laughs> out of their board and, you know, no offense to RJ, we started a podcast where we read the book one page at a time oh, and spend your, 20 to 40 minutes talking about each page. We are insane. Yeah, no, what's it called? <laughs> I haven't, I've never heard of it. What's it called? Uh, it's called Page <laughs> of the Wind, available wherever you get oh, podcasts. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah no, I, I think you're right. The The readership is collectively like a rat trapped in a cage, like chewing off its We've own We've lost leg. their minds. Yeah, We've lost absolutely. Their minds. Uh, I, let me just say this real quick. I love the the really really deep theories and if they turn out to be true then you guys are geniuses but like i feel like a lot of things are just kind of a simple explanation go ahead jer oh no i I, just getting getting us back to the subject of of ambrose something that i think we like before we delve back fully into trying to solve the various mysteries that uh are present around him i i just think we should maybe talk about like why he's a compelling character, why he is a compelling counterpart to both. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk. Go ahead, man. Let's talk about it. I mean, so I'll be real. I've been watching a lot of the HBO uh, comedy succession recently, which is a show all about, it's incredibly juicy. It is the juiciest and it's (laughs) a show about horrible, rich people uh, being horrible. And they are all horrible. And there are moments in the show where you get to see like something bad happens to one of them or like something doesn't go their way or, you know, they suffer some misfortune and they are in that moment sympathetic. And you as a person who also have had, and I mean you in the general sense, as a person who have had bad things happen to you, you go, oh man, that sucks, buddy. You know, that's rough. But it doesn't stop you from also conceiving of them as like top to bottom a dreadful person you can see what made them that way but the fun of the show is like these people are awful they behave in ways that i would find completely unacceptable isn't it great and i think that that is part of the joy of ambrose 
you know, much has been made on our show and probably on many corners of the internet, you know, Ambrose probably does not have a healthy home life, right? Like his, his mom's dead. His dad's kind of a weirdo. His sister, uh, you know, left the family and maybe is, uh, is employed at a brothel. Um, and Ambrose is just like a spiteful entitled, uh, prick who takes it out on everybody around him and treats, uh, those who he has any power over absolutely abominably, you know, does his, his upbringing helps explain the way he is, but it doesn't take away from the fact that, you know, he's dreadful and it's fun that he's dreadful. Like some of the most enjoyable parts of the book to read are the parts where he and Quoth are just needling each other, you know, like dropping epic diss tracks, playing lethal mm-hmm. pranks on one another like that that that's all <laughs> fun and games it is and i and i sorry were you done i am done i have to and i and i'm sorry because i know that the the author of these works is really a dis, a, a despicable person um but i love a villain like or i love a beef like Cloth and Ambrose and like Harry and Malfoy, where it is on site and where you always, I, I, I do love a twisted villain, you know, or, or a misunderstood, you know, antagonist, all the nuance. But I also love in particularly in fantasy stories, when you just have the one stereotype of like the person you hate at school. Yeah. And it's just from the go. I'm 100% with RJ on this. (laughs) I love that. Just like, it's just a simple, you know what you're, you're, you know, kind of know what you're going to get. And it's just funny because it's just like, yeah, there it is. And like, Like, it's just a classic thing. Tropes are great. Yeah. Yeah. Tropes are great. Tropes are tropes because they're timeless and, and great. And, uh, and yeah, I'm, and there's a reason why that archetype is always a rich guy, right? Like, that yeah. nemesis is never, uh, you know, someone from a disadvantaged background. It's never someone who, I mean, actually, that's not true. But oftentimes, it's like someone who is born yeah. with a silver spoon in their mouth. And that's part of why we and Quoth hate mm-hmm. him is because mm-hmm. he's like, he leads a charmed life, right? He's like, he's good looking, you know, right? Like, he, he's like you know, people consider him handsome and he like dresses well. He's got more money than God. He's like smart enough to get himself into the university. Like he's got everything yeah. going for him. He could at least be nice about it. Right. Like it's so much easier to tolerate well, a rich. So I, I want to. Uh... Like, sorry, it's John, so much easier to tolerate like someone who's led a charmed life. If they're at least humble and nice as mm-hmm. many people are, but Ambrose is the complete package of a rich guy who knows that he's better than everyone else and uh, also constantly needs to show everybody how much better than them he is, right? He's just like the perfect hateable package. There's there's nothing about him that makes you feel bad for hating him. He's, you know what I mean? Like he's, we love to hate him. And you know what? A yep. lot of people are saying it. His poetry kind of sucks. Folks. So I, I want to dig into that a bit. So first off, sidebar, anytime there's slobs versus snobs, the slobs are the heroes and the snobs are the villains. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it doesn't work otherwise. Like um, famously in the movie, Nothing But Trouble, which is a terrible movie that you should all watch because it's it's incredible. 
Uh, the movie expects you to root for the slobs. Sorry, for the snobs. Like they're they're the protagonists, and the movie does not work. Whereas anytime you have uh, slobs versus snobs, and the slobs are the heroes, uh, it works, and, and you love it. But what I want to dig in on is that. <laughs> Uh, Ambrose really is a dark mirror of Quoth in a lot of ways. Ambrose had everything that Quoth didn't have, mm-hmm. and Quoth had everything that Ambrose didn't have. Um, Quoth had a happy family life, and Ambrose, I think it's fair to assume, did not. Uh, Ambrose had uh, a lot of stability and money, and Quoth uh, did not. Uh, Ambrose and Quoth both have creative impulses, but Quoth is a great natural musician, and uh, Ambrose is a mediocre to abysmal poet and a poor liar player. Uh, they're both thought to be handsome, but Quoth has the effortless social skills, and Ambrose is odious, and uh, everybody hates hanging out with him. Uh, I think that one way to view Ambrose, and this might be one way to help characterize him as a antagonist, if you must, or as a nemesis, which is what I prefer, is that he is sort of like the inverse of Quoth. Um, yeah, he has like no good friends, or at least if he does, they're non-entities to Quoth. Quoth has like very strong friendships, whereas Ambrose has a series of faceless cronies who Quoth never really gives any attention to. One thing I wanted to talk about on this on this podcast is does Ambrose actually have friends? Like he has hangers on certainly, but he doesn't seem to have friendships. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right about that because if he did have friends, we would know something about them, right? Like if he had like a crew, the way Quoth has a crew, we'd at least get their names, but we don't like, we hear people, as I recall, there's like one instance where we hear two people talking in the library and they are talking about Ambrose like they know him. But Quoth and Sim, who are also in the room with them, like don't name those guys. They don't go, oh, yeah, it was Jimmy and Bobby talking about Ambrose. You know, they're just like two guys. Well, they and they're also kind of they're, they're Well, so this this is an uh, this is a um, assumption and uh, uh, in, in what's the opposite of it? This is an inference. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were looking at this scene on the page and we inferred that they were talking about Ambrose and they were actually smack talking him. Hmm. They were they were talking about how he embarrassed them. Um, Maybe. Yeah. So uh, weren't they talking about how his how he pissed on his uh, something or other? Yeah, that was it. They they were talking about how he pissed on this, and it was after it it's was after his rooms get burned we down. Sure it was Ambrose because Quoth takes a leak in his chamber pot. Oh yes, yes, he pissed he, on he the kicks, fire. He kicks the chamber oh, yeah, pot over. Oh yeah, he thought yeah yeah. Uh, and then the guys are talking about oh. that. Jeremy. Yeah, so they're like they're putting him on blast, like they're talking about him behind his back. They're not his friends. Maybe they're they're the, they're the hangers on, but they're not like yeah. sticking up for him. They're laughing about him in their sleeves. It's possible that Ambrose has one of those like vicious circle things happening where like he can't help but be kind of a nasty person due to however his upbringing went. And so if he does like manage to make a friend, he loses them quickly because he can't help but be nasty. to them. And so the only people That's who will tolerate it. his like, company are with- people who are just like him, nasty, selfish, self-absorbed dickheads who don't actually have any ability to empathize with other people. <laughs> Exactly. So I, I want to talk a bit about what I've been nursing, which is the empathetic reading of Ambrose. And Jordana, you you kind of 
segued into it by talking about him as the product of his upbringing. I want to preface this by saying that I'm not saying that Ambrose is misunderstood or like secretly a good soul. Uh, he is a bad guy to the core. He is odious. Um, but a, in a good piece of writing, no odious person got that way in a vacuum. No one believes that they are villains except for Emperor Palpatine. Everyone thinks that they're behaving virtuously. So I've been trying to think of Ambrose's actions in a lens that casts them in a light of like, what is virtuous to a person like this? So, and, and him being the product of his upbringing is a good way to start. So if he is born into unimaginable wealth, but very little warmth, which is something that we can assume, like his, his mother is dead, his father is absent at best, uh, and resentful at worst. And, you know, I think there's a lot of evidence that his father is uh, scheming with otherworldly forces and has basically sent his son to the ends of the earth just to like be out of his hair. Um, what is Ambrose doing at the university, right? If he is a powerful noble, shouldn't he be learning how to, how to rule? I think that he's uh, a disappointment to his father who has sent him away just to kind of witter away his time. And, what I've been thinking about is why does he behave this way towards Quoth? Why does he think this is an acceptable way to behave? And I put to you that the way that he messes with Quoth are ways that he perceives as being relatively harmless, like the ways that he's used to messing with people, um, probably people that he has power over, certainly. But like he, you know, charges Quoth for the candle and sends him into the archives. He doesn't understand how dear it is to part with money for Quoth. And he doesn't understand how dear the archives are to him. Uh, by Ambrose's perspective, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I, he he's short a penny now and he'll have to wait a couple weeks to get into the books, like whatever. Uh, but Quoth, like to Quoth, that's a huge, huge setback. And it's it's absolutely baffling. And to Ambrose, someone who probably craves validation and attention Quoth getting in the way of his flirting is a huge embarrassment. Uh, social standing is everything to Ambrose. Similarly with the Jackass Jackass song, like Quoth is a rah. They probably made funny songs about each other all the time and it's no big deal. But to Ambrose, a song that circulates talking about his worst qualities, uh, one th a thing that potentially travels like across the entire world and damages his reputation not just like his reputation, but like the reputation of his descendants is an unheard of insult. So no wonder he responds in kind. Similarly, like the loot smash is an accident. Like as much as it sucks and was shitty to do, he's just like teasing Quoth with a thing. And Ambrose has no, like has no conception of the value of a thing, least of all to someone like Quoth who owns nothing. So even the accidental smashing of the loot is like, kind of not a big deal to Ambrose and to Quoth, it's the end of the world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like, that's an interesting way to look at it. I guess the only difference in my interpretation is that I think they each know exactly how cruel the thing that they are doing to the other person is. And they are thinking to themselves, yes, good. It is good to be cruel to this person. They deserve my cruelty. <sighs> Jeremy, I think that they are thinking that, but the other person is taking it even worse. Like, as cruel as Quoth thinks he's being and relishes in, Ambrose is even more wounded uh, and vice versa. And I think that's why it escalates the way it does. 
Fair enough. I do. I appreciate that read. Once we agree. Yeah, I appreciate that read, Nick. I think it's important to find um, some compassion or just try to get some understanding of characters we hate. Um, really, ex again, except for Palpatine. That dude just sucked. I mean, just... you know what? Even Palpatine, you can say, like, as far as he's, he's concerned, the accumulation of power and using it to hurt other people is virtuous. So mm. even Palpatine thinks he's doing, like, the correct thing. But the correct thing is to be evil. To be evil is to the be good. The correct thing for a Sith. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you're not a Sith, you're a chump. Which is well, I guess not so. for <laughs> Not yet. Um, that wasn't my best, but it, it's going to stay in the show. Mm. Yeah, I think that's an inter interesting read. I don't agree. I don't think... I don't know. I don't know about that. I do agree that the song that maybe, you know, that is how the Rue used to tease each other. But I also think both knew it would spread like wildfire. And, uh, you know, because I don't know if that was really teasing. Yeah, he wants it to spread. Again, I think he did. I think he did want it to spread. I just think he doesn't understand the ramifications to someone like Ambrose who moves in the social circles of Ambrose. Like I, I think as damaging as Quoth intends Jackass Jackass to be, and he does, I'm not saying that he thought it was like harmless teasing. I think he was trying to tank his reputation. I think that it's even more damaging than Quoth can understand because he doesn't come from that world. He's not capable of understanding it. Just like how Ambrose is not capable of understanding the depths of the harm he did Quoth by smashing his loot. Jordana, any thoughts on the Ambrose Redemption arc? <laughs> I, I, I want... Oh, this is complicated. I, I want for... Like, this is kind of the same thing I said before. I want for Ambrose to be a more complex character. I want to, like, have more info about him. But I also kind of love hating him. <laughs> like... I don't know if I can have both of these things by the end of this book. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I'm hold on. I'm chewing off Mike. Um, <laughs> let's talk about another piece of evidence. Sorry, if I can just jump Please. in before we change tacks. One last piece of evidence for Ambrose as penitent king is how much would it just piss you off if Ambrose, when he becomes the king, is like, oh, yes, Quoth was my school friend. We came up together. We, he was so close. And I helped him get where he was. And he betrayed us. And I'm sorry. I'm so penitent. Ooh, I will, I will I work. Love it. And you everyone like in the world buys it. Hook, line, and sinker. Everyone in the world is like, oh, this guy is so great. Like, that's why he's called the penitent king. Because he's so sorry for for making this bad man, Quoth, uh, the full. And, like everyone in the world thinks Ambrose is the hero. Like what a great twist of the knife and what a great reason for Quoth to be like, I'm done being in the world. I'm going to go hide. In that would be hilarious uh, and totally in character for Ambrose. It would be a different kind of teeth gnashingly frustrating if Ambrose did like make a show of being like, you know, when I was a young man, I was I was terrible. I was a wild child, but I've changed my ways. Uh, but like, would any of us believe that of him or buy it from him? Of course not. Like, no, screw you. So we wouldn't, but the people of the world, yeah, would buy it. the but, people of the world might buy it. And whether or not he did mean it, whether or not he was genuine about it, Quoth wouldn't ever accept that from him. I don't think. So 
I want to touch on something, Nick, I, I think you wanted to talk about is speaking of Ambrose's home life and, and where he's from, I'm curious as to why he is working, like why he works as a scrib. He should, shouldn't he have enough money? Don't they have to, don't they, don't oh, they have do to they? take on an apprenticeship? Like why, that's why Kvothe works in the, um, that's why he works in the Medica. Oh, the yeah. Fishery. Yeah, because first he works in the Medica. In order to advance in rank, right? In order to advance from from uh, Rilar to to Alir, you have to take on more of those duties. I think Ambrose... You need experience yeah, points. Yeah, I think Ambrose just picked that job because it seemed like the easiest one. You know? Yeah, strong agree. <laughs> but, I wonder how closely he works with Lauren. I... I think not that closely. He does get to leverage power, though, which is probably another reason that he. Yeah. It. Yeah. Like, I feel like he can't screw it up so badly that he'll, like, you know, get someone killed like you could in the Medica. Uh, he probably I imagine that he tries to stay on Lauren's good side, but also like doesn't really want to hang out with him that much. But he knows enough of what to do to not tick Lauren off. And I think he can just spend a lot of time, like, yeah, bullying people at the attendance desk, shushing people in the stacks, and uh, taking his sweet time finding you a book if you ask him to help you get one. You know, he'll like, he'll, like go down into the stacks, have a smoke break, you know, flip through some pornography, and eventually he'll come back with whatever you asked for, or he's hoping you've gone away, you know? Yeah, that's yeah, fair. I, think that's, I also I have the sense that Lauren doesn't really care who his screws are. Yeah. Mm, I don't know if I would go that far. Like, I think he cares. I just, I just don't know that he's keeping tabs on them as closely as other people. I might. think all he cares about is that you follow his rules. You know, don't bring fire into the stacks. You know, put things back where you found them, kind of thing. I don't think he cares like what you're, what you're like as a person. Mm, reasonable, maybe. If he's in a mirror, maybe he wants to keep an eye on him. Maybe. Maybe or or because he knows his father. He knows his father conducts pagan rituals. Yes, his father, Brayden. His father, Brayden, who consults with the Chandranoids. Oh, those Chandranoids. All right, what else we got on the subject of Mr. Mr. Jackus? Um, I wrote down, is Ambrose connected to Ari? Um, Ari maybe being Princess Ariel, or maybe Ambrose um, is connected to why Ari fled because he was probably at school then i think this is curious uh, but I, I also think we don't have enough information on it yeah I, I think the connection is tenuous largely because we know that ambrose has been credibly accused of sexual assault and we have good evidence to suggest that Auri is a victim of sexual assault um i think that's i would open the floor to any other evidence i don't believe that she's tabitha i think that it's more likely that tabitha like went off to have the baby in disgrace um or was like hidden away paid off and, and sh hidden away by ambrose's family it, is tabitha um, the one that sim and um will tell quoth that ambrose had disappeared yeah okay because like i've just been assuming and i think we're meant to assume uh, that Ambrose like had her drowned in a well somewhere. I mean, you can disappear someone by paying them off and having them go have a baby as a milkmaid in disgrace somewhere or drowned in a well. I, I think that the quoth has no problem pegging Ambrose as a well drowning murderer. I uh, think that's a bit much even for him, which is, and that's part of why I don't think he, 
he did the he tried to do the knifing or the the boat sinking. I don't think Ambrose is quite that amoral. Uh, but you know, I could be wrong. He definitely like is amoral enough to um, impregnate and then uh, destroy the the um, prospects of a young woman to save his own skin. Mm. I don't have too many more notes on on Mr. Ambrose. Does anyone ever anyone else the uh, have a the, yeah? Go ahead. What, just one one more thought. Um, Ambrose harming Auri is. Uh, a good reason for Quoth to kill him. Oh yeah! If Quoth learns that Ambrose somehow harmed him, that would be instant, instant death for him. Well, and I think you know if if Princess Ariel is a vintage princess, right? And Ambrose, you know, let's say Ari is like second or third in this line of succession because she's Princess Ariel, and you know, and Ambrose comes for her, I. I think that's a possibility that, you know, Ari's secret identity is outed because there's this scuffle for the throne, you know, after um, Quoth kills Roderick Calanthus and Ambrose goes for Ari and then Quoth kills him, you know, in front of the Aeolian and Imre or something like that. I think that's probably the most likely. Oh, I am... Yeah, Ambrose forcibly marrying Auri or or carrying her off to forcibly marry. That would certainly prompt Quoth to Mm -hmm. action. I feel like that also wouldn't be, like, too difficult for Rothfuss to set up. Because really, like, all Ambrose needs to do is figure out that Auri's there. And then he can be like, I'm going to get you kicked out of this place that you like unless you marry me or something. Well, I don't think of Ambrose as having that much ambition. Like, I think Ambrose is perfectly happy to while away his days being a dick at the university. But if he had, say, a father who had grander ambitions, who uh, arranged for him to to do that, or who forced him to do that, I think that would prompt uh, Ambrose to uh, potentially do that. But I don't see Ambrose as that kind of schemer. Mm. I also... Hold on, sorry, I'm circling back. I know he schemed the plumb bob. Yeah, he did. That was a good scheme. It's true, but but not like I think Ambrose is like happy to boast about where he is in the line of succession, but not motivated because like Ambrose is already living high on the hog. Like Ambrose doesn't actually need and probably doesn't particularly want to be king. Like I bet you he wants to be king, but if he did, he would hate it because he ha- would have responsibilities. Like I don't see Ambrose as being ambitious in that way. He's just like vindictive and motivated enough to like to pay Devi to make uh, a poison to to piss off some guy but uh, I don't see him as being like I'm going to go into the caves beneath the university and find a girl so that I can marry her and put myself on the throne like I just I don't see that happening but if say he had a father who he was trying to like he was had never uh had never made proud in his whole life. And his father was like, here's your last chance to earn some, earn my respect is like, you're at the university. That's where the princess is. Go and bring her to me. I'm going to make you marry her. I could see Ambrose being roused to action. Hmm. I like, I like that a little more that he didn't figure that he, his father pushed him. And we don't know, um, where the uh, Jackus lands are, but we know, I mean, Pat has confirmed multiple times that Quoth will be in the capital city of Rhaenyra in book three. 
So it's possible yeah, him the, and uh, the Jackass lands are on the pirate isles. Oh, are they? I believe oh, there is a line cool. or two that says that Ambrose's barony is in the pirate. Okay, that makes sense. Now, uh, just leaping back, you know me. Uh, you know how I hate to to try and predict what's going to happen. But I don't think that Ambrose, if Ambrose, if Auri is this princess that gives him a direct line to the throne, it it wouldn't even have to. He would. He could just stumble upon her by accident, right? Like Quoth is playing music for Auri, and Ambrose stumbles upon them. And if she's a missing princess, then he'd probably recognize her, right? Like he might even have like known her at court or whatever. So he might go, wait a minute, I know who you are. And then, you know, take her to the university uh, masters and be like, ah, you know, I found this poor benighted waif in the clutches of this filthy ruh. She's been living like a wild beast under the university. Please let me take her home to uh, to my barony and and nurse her back to health. You know, I can see him doing that. Uh, and that doesn't, I think that he's more ambitious than Nick thinks he is, but that also doesn't require him to like have all that much, much ambition. It just requires him to be lucky. I do think Ari is, something is going to happen with Ari that is really going to be kind of foundational to, you know, whatever happened before the war. Yeah, to me, that's the only thing. Like we know that Kvothe has a strong response to, uh, to women in danger, especially violence against women. We know that Quoth is extremely protective of Auri. Um, so Auri or Denna, although I think Auri even more so, he he would be, uh, he would have that kind of response. So that, yeah. I, I do think that, I, I also think that like, Auri is a bit of a Chekhov's gun, like Auri being in the, in the book, like obviously she's not just like there to be fridged. She she is an important part of Quoth's growth and she has a lot of interesting agency of her own. But I do think that Auri hasn't paid off yet. Uh there's a lot of ingredients, there's a lot of moving parts. Some of them have paid off, some of them haven't. And I think that Auri's payoff has to be big. Yeah. I, agree. I think that it's a good note. having Ambrose like yeah, having also which characters are where, right? Like, I don't think we're going to run into Dagon at the university, but with Ambrose and uh, Auri both kind of being in the Enverons, it's possible that that might happen. I agree with Jeremy that Ambrose, like, being lucky or just, like, trying to mess with Quoth. Like, what is Ambrose just like, oh, Quoth has, like, a friend who lives in the gutter under the university. Like, I'm going to go pour some pee down this culvert. <laughs> Not the pee. And, and mess with her bed. Like... <laughs> <laughs> some juice there we go i got the jackass no, juice oh <laughs> god what have i I'm done? gonna squeeze out some jackass juice that's creating a juicy under thing <laughs> and uh, listeners don't we love a juicy under thing i've been nick <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> oh jesus take the wheel um well Here's I, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump back into this though because we're still talking about this. I know that this isn't an Ari podcast. We'll 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 pull it around. I do, do think it's also possible she's Sabatha because here here's a scenario. Ari's my daughter, and you know I'm first or second in line, and I'm like, you know what? You're gonna be the future queen if you stay alive, and I plan to keep you alive. We're going to send you to the university so you get to know alchemy and shit. 
and we're gonna give you a fake name, Tabitha. And then Ambrose figures out Tabitha is really Princess Ariel and tries to marry her and she, and something happens with sympathy or alchemy or whatever. Um, Cause we know, um, we know something happened, right? To, to put Ari down there. So then Tabitha runs away and goes to the under thing. And, and cause we don't know what Ari's obviously what her real name is or what she thinks of herself as. Um, but does that, does that make sense? Like it's all that it's just the same person. Cause Ari is just what quote. Yeah, calls I her. think, I think that works. Like we don't, yeah. we don't know. Yeah. We don't know anything about her before. Like we didn't know how, how old she is. No, I think he estimates a, maybe a couple years older than, than he is. And, and he estimates, yeah. but you know, what does that mean? He does There's estimate. Nothing. There's magic. A wizard did it. <laughs> I, you know, but I can so like not to get too crackpot, but like we have seen some time fluctuation in the book. What if the under thing, which is like a little bit magic, yeah, is like a bit of a, an overlap in the Fey? And what if there's been a bit of a time stretch? Like how long has she actually been there? Yeah, mm. that's fair. Um, well, we are past the one hour mark. This is beautiful. Do we have anything else about Ambrose we want to talk about? I'm out of things. Yeah, I think that's a good I'm, place. I, there's a note here about, yeah, there, there is a note here about his friendship with Master Hem, which yeah. I, I chalk up to Master Hem being kind of an old school, like suck up to the nobility. We know that he's uh, a conservative, shall we say, uh, and a traditionalist. And, and not in a good way. Right. So it could just be that like he and master ham hit it off because ham knows which side his bread is buttered on. And he knows that you butter up the nobles. Mm-hmm. And they're the same kind of bully, right? They love to be cruel to people who have less power than them. Uh, and they resent when anybody stands up to them for it. You know, I just think they're like, they're like the same kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're really cut from the same cloth. And so I, that's why I picked that. I, I don't see them as being like particularly pally. I just see him as being like the kind of guy who sucks up to the nobility because he is spineless. Yeah. Nick, did you talk enough about how your Brayden is Ambrose's father theory um, has come to fruition? Uh, I mean, I don't know that we need to get too deeply into yeah. it. There's a wonderful Reddit post right, that you Reddit shared post. on Twitter. That is where I got, I had, I had been mulling over a lot of these and this post really kind of hammered them all into place. What the post is really about is, is suggesting that Brayden is a villain and not an ally mm-hmm. as both kind of thinks he is. And I think that he really fits as uh, Ambrose's father. To me, the best piece of evidence is that, um, he uh Codicus, after talking about which uh i can tell you more uh gossip about the different families i wintered with the jackis family mm-hmm. and Codicus going straight to the jackis because Codicus knows he's been hanging out with baron jackis and then he's uh-huh, a little bit uh uh-huh. he's a little bit put off when quoth uh just shuts him down he's like no i don't want to hear about any other families um so I mean, there's there's not a ton of like great evidence connecting uh, Brayden and um, and Jackus, but I think that it fits. Like there's a hole in the story where Ambrose's father goes, um, and it kind of fits to me that Am- that Quoth kind of like 
that Quoth likes the guy who, and like kind of falls for the trap of the guy who is Ambrose's father, who, what kind of person would raise an Ambrose also like a super manipulative guy who is too busy um, with his, his grand ambitions and plans to really raise his son. Um, yeah. And it's this probably is a guy who would him. send his son away. Yeah. This guy is a guy who would send his son away with, uh, with a golden ticket just to kind of get him out of his hair while he's doing his, his, uh, his evil plots. His scheming. Um, but yeah, his chandranoiding. But wouldn't it be far from like the pirate isles? Like both says far to the South. Like that'd be a far trip. I guess not. If you're a chandranoid, I guess, I guess Braden. You yeah. Know, also it's, it's court. I know. It's but... also court, right? Like that's, yeah. that's where you would be spending most of your time if you were a, a mover and shaker. Oh, I guess so. I don't know about all that. Um, well, it, it, that's, that's what I, that's what I want it to be. Um, it, it also puts Ambrose a little bit closer to the, the story, like the, the Amir, uh, Chandrian conflict yeah. because Ambrose is pretty much unrelated to like quotes, uh, quotes motivation. Yeah. He's just like a guy that pisses him off at school. And so it, it starts to tie all the different plot threads together. If you have this guy who is connected to the plot in, uh, in Severin, uh, the the plot with the bandits, which then connects him to the Adem, which connects him to, uh, and and also connects him to the university and to uh, Ambrose. Like I think Brayden as being kind of like a linchpin. Hel- it, yeah. Brayden being being Ambrose's father kind of helps to connect all the different plots together, and they all start to like you can start to see the shape of it. If if true, you can start to see how it might all connect. Otherwise, you know, I'm I'm ready to be wrong. I'm ready to be surprised, but I think it makes sense. Man, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cut that and I'm going to copy it. And then when I do the Braden episode, either I'm going to invite you three back or I'm just going to slap that on the end of it. Look at that. Hell yeah. Well, I I, I can't speak for my (laughs) co-hosts. Oh yeah. That's, that's efficient. That's content creation. I love it. That's the juice. (laughs) Oh no. That's I deep. can't speak for my co-host, but I would love to come back for for an episode about about Braden or any other episode. I, I love it. I love hanging out with you. Uh, this we is are a good time, happy ladies to be and invited. gentlemen. Uh, this is welcome to. Uh, hold on, what was I? What bit was I about to do? I was going to call myself our Jamba Juice, <laughs> but I need to workshop that before I before I put it somewhere. Reginald Juice. Rich. Reginald Val Johnson. Oh, boy. Reginald Val Juice. All right, yeah. look, there, the possibilities are endless. The possibilities are endless. Um, at, wow, let's do some closing thoughts about Ambrose. I'm just having a good time. Truly just vibing. Uh, Ambrose is the kind of bad guy that we love and we love to hate. And uh, yep. he, he's an archetype that I am just like always going to vibe strongly with because uh, I love to watch a rich asshole get his just desserts. I think Rothfuss is too sophisticated a writer to have a character who's just like a, a prick for the sake of being a prick. Even if his ultimate goal and his ultimate purpose in the book is just to be a foil for Quoth at school and he's not tied into the Chandranoids. I do think that Rothfuss has a lens where he understands the interior life of Ambrose and the reason he behaves how he does. Um, And that's why I keep looking for 
those little windows because I do think they're yeah. there. And uh, I like to get a better understanding of the stories when I when I see them. So Ambrose, he's a bad guy. I'm not going to sign off by saying he's misunderstood or he's not so bad because he is bad. Uh, but uh, he may be misunderstood. He's still bad, though. Definitely still bad. I'd, I, like Jeremy, love to hate Ambrose. And I'm excited to see more of Ambrose maybe in Doors of Stone. I'm hoping we get, like, more juicy bits, perhaps. Yes. But I'm also happy with what we've got so far. <laughs> you haven't had enough juicy bits today, Jordana? Oh, no, no, no. That's not what I meant. <laughs> I just meant in the future. Maybe some time from now. Let's take a break from the juicy bits. <laughs> Entirely the right sort of podcast. Now with more juicy bits than ever. <laughs> I just want to say Ambrose you know I don't trust you stay away from Denna stay away from Ari you don't even know who that is don't worry about it um, and you know what I just love to hate you I'm not going to do what Nick does and, and try to kind of see the world through your eyes just going to assume you're an asshole and that's you know what you do you that's all I have to say. Thanks for joining me, everyone. And thank you to you three, um, especially for joining me for this wonderful discussion of Ambrose. Oh, thank you for having us. It's always a pleasure. I hope. Indeed. We are from Page of the Wind. Listeners, I think we have squeezed all the juice out of today. I hope that your minds are uh, refreshed um, and that we have brought you um something delicious may all your stories be glad ones and your roads be smooth and short and not juicy bye bye bye, bye. bye.